Turn your Bibles, please, to Revelation 14, verse 14. Revelation 14, 14. We're in a series, Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. Revelation 14, verse 14. And this is the Word of God. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. See, on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. And join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word that is certain and true. So, Father, the words that we read are encouraging. Uh, the words that we read are very sobering. So we ask for your Spirit's help uh, to understand what you're saying to us in your word. Father, how it applies to us, Lord. Uh, and Father, uh, there would be the gospel that will bring people from death to life. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, Thanksgiving always meant the best meal you ever tasted. It was at my grandmother's house, and no, we didn't go over the hills and through the woods, because when I was little, she lived just around the corner. Uh, and there was no, what can I bring? Because she did it all for 21 people in her tiny little four-room house. Um, and uh, juicy turkey was mouth-watering dressing. I'm still trying to recreate uh, half a century later. Uh, mashed potatoes stiff enough to hold a boat of gravy. Uh, hot rolls, the butter is not the side that melted in your mouth. And then, then the pumpkin pie uh, to cap it all off. What a feast. Uh, and it was enough of a feast that made me th- another Thanksgiving tradition uh, for me uh, meaningful. And that was the Sunday before Thanksgiving uh, at church, we always sang the hymn, Come, Ye Thankful People, Come. Uh, and uh, we sang it because it's a hymn that uh, calls us to be thankful as the people of God in that first stanza. It talks about God's provision, God's uh, blessings. And in my young mind, I thought that's exactly it. That's Thanksgiving dinner that we're thanking God for the Sunday ahead of Thanksgiving. Uh, I got a little older. I noticed verses 2 and 3 move from the harvest uh, to the writer's meditation uh, on uh, the, 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 the parable of the weeds uh, in uh, Matthew's gospel. And that it was not a harvest anymore of food that he was talking about. It was a harvest, but this was a harvest of people. Uh, and then it moved into the, in the final stanza uh, to uh, calling on the God to quickly come, to looking for the second coming. Uh, and that hymn seems appropriate today. It was an uh, English pastor, Thomas Alfred. He wrote the hymn back in the 19th century to enable God's people to give thanks for the fall harvest they were enjoying. Uh, 
same as the, the pilgrims gave thanks in 1621, uh, and the ancient Hebrews did in their feast of first fruits after the Passover in the fall, with the, in the, rather than the spring, with the, uh, the barley harvest. And back in those days, when most people survived off the land, uh, there was an urgency to gather in the crops before those winter storms rolled in. And so Alfred used just traditional language that a rural community would use to express gratitude. And then he did meditate on Jesus' parable of the weeds. Um, And so the, 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 uh, the, the hymn addresses the common themes of harvest festivals and what the English people would call harvest home. And so the, the, the hymn uh, that begins with that call to celebrate our food ends with a plea for God to come uh, and uh, complete with a harvest of human beings. And this connection between the harvest and God's coming and judgment actually runs throughout God's Word. Joel gave a description of it. Swing the sickle. The harvest is ready. Stomp on the grapes. The wine press is full. The wine vats are full, overflowing with vintage evil. John the Baptist, when he talked about Jesus coming, said his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. With that in mind, I want you to listen to Jesus' parable of the weed or maybe think of the tares uh, from the King James as well as his explanation. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And you drop down a few verses and we get the explanation. He left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the, uh, uh, is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. And as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fire furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus' parable and the explanation are actually uh, pretty clear. Jesus puts the whole course of human history into a a harvest parable perfectly, uh, suited for his audience, as did John, as did Joel. And what Jesus describes in this parable is exactly what John's describing for us in Revelation 14. It is the sixth in a series of, yes, seven uh, visions, 
They're inserted between the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. So let's go to the text and see what it holds for us. First, once you notice the Lord of the harvest in verse 14. Behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now this crown was not the, the king's crown, it was a victor's crown, given to one who had won the day, won the victory, won the battle, and that of course would be Jesus. Seems pretty clear this is tied into Daniel 7 and 13, 7, 13 and 14. And so we can identify this one as in fact Jesus. And I might say his coming here is quite a contrast to what we're going to be celebrating next month about his coming to Bethlehem. And notice he has a sharp sickle in his hand and he's ready to harvest. Now, some people think that this isn't Jesus because an angel comes and, and gives him a command. Uh, but keep in mind, angels are just messengers. They don't have authority. They just deliver messages. Uh, and uh, it probably helps us see more clearly Perhaps one of the more perplexing things that Jesus said during his earthly ministry. Remember when Jesus was talking about the second coming, he would always say what? The Son of Man doesn't know at what hour he comes. Only the Father in heaven knows this. And so what we have here uh, is the Father in heaven now deciding this is the time, and he gives the command because he wants the Son to know that this is it. It's time. The language is global. Uh, it's not a warning. God's not saying, okay, I'm going to count to three uh, and give you a chance, all right? God's already counted to three at this point, all right? Um, uh, and the angel makes a clear announcement. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Friends, this is the end. This is the people of God being taken by Jesus to be with Him forever. Ultimately, it will be in a new heaven and a new earth. This is the day we're waiting for. It's the day we're anticipating. It's what we're praying for. It's what Christmas is celebrating. Christ coming again. Uh, this is the hope we are most thankful for. Of all the blessings we have, this is our greatest hope. Uh, and it's a hope we will celebrate today at this table. then another angel appears in verse 17. And this angel comes as a, as a grim reaper. And what our text turns to is not the believers taken to be with the Lord, but judgment of non-believers. And many commentators will make this, say this is one of the, perhaps the goriest section in the Bible. I think they're right. Uh, the eternal suffering we saw described for the people of God back in verses 9 to 11 several weeks ago finds its beginning point now in this judgment on earth. The first angel comes out, the message comes out from the altar where the martyrs are gathered, where they've been praying for God to set things straight for thousands of years. And the language is borrowed from Isaiah 63. Some of you will remember the mission conference a few years back uh, where we used this passage of Scripture from Isaiah 63. Our theme we used that year was mighty to save because God is. And listen to what it says there. Who is this who comes from Edom in crimson garments from Bozrah? He was splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. 
It is I, speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. It's Jesus. Well, why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads in the wet winepress? The answer, I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood splattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart and my year of redemption had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation. My wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath. And I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. This is the final moment on earth for the people uh, these people, as, as God gathers them, as His angels gather them and judges them. And what's described here should make us shudder. Ancient wine presses were usually made out of rock, sometimes brick. Uh, grapes were trampled in an upper trough, and then there were channels, there were openings for the, for the juice to flow down uh, into the, the lower basin. So we have a, a terrifying vision here of God's wrath. Remind us of Isaiah. And so the angel, the, the grim reaper, swings his sickle and he gathers the grape harvest. And yes, John's metaphors are mixed here, which I like. I mix mine a lot, so I feel comfort with that. You, know, you don't take it a grape harvest with a sickle, people would say. Um, but he does. And he, he reaps the people and he throws them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And as he treads in the wine press, a river of blood flows out that's four feet deep, covers 184 square miles, uh, 184 miles long, rather, um, about the area of the promised land from north to south, 200 miles. 1600 stadia, uh, that's the square of four that represents the four corners of the earth, times the square of ten, the number of totality. So blood, human blood, flows in every direction, covers the earth. And yes, what we read here is meant to make us cringe, all right? The judgment of so many people who have rejected Jesus Christ should grieve our hearts. And we realize this is the punishment that every sin deserves, the wrath and curse of God. As one writer puts it, if, if we shared God's revulsion of sin, we would not be so taken back by the idea of His wrath. Even a single sin against an infinitely holy God deserves eternal punishment. Your friends, the amazing beauty of the gospel is that Jesus took that penalty for us. We sang his robes for mine. He took it for us. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Uh, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Now, so, what about us today? 
You know, what's the timetable? Everyone wants to know, what's the timetable? And here's the thing, we do not know. But we know it's coming. Could be at any moment. It could be today. And our task is to be ready. And the only way to be ready is through faith in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. His death for sinners is the message of this table today. Friends, this is the true Thanksgiving table. To be sure, this week's turkey and dressing are wonderful for, the, for this world to remind us of all the, the good blessings of God, His provisions for our daily needs. Uh, but the body and blood of Christ are His provision for our eternity. And what's set before us, it's really the best meal ever. A meal to be thankful for, a meal that, that makes us realize salvation uh, that's been brought for God's people, but also judgment for those who reject God, who reject His love. A meal we eat and we say proclaiming Christ's death in anticipation of His coming. Let me just say, if you're not ready for the harvest, please realize time's running out. And the wrath of the Lamb will be terrible indeed. Turn to Jesus, be saved. On the other hand, for those who know Jesus Christ, there will be great joy. Joy we get a taste of at this table. And remember, again, it's a proclamation. We must urgently pray for a lost world to, to hear. We must take it to them, with them to listen. So today we come together... Uh, and on behalf of Jesus, who is our host, um, invite all who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are members of good stand of an evangelical church, to come to this table. As we're reminded of the final harvest that's looming before us. Let me just say, if you're here you're not a believer, we're glad you're here. But the Bible urges you not to partake of these elements. Let them pass. There's some suggestions in the bulletin for you. Uh, and you can please talk with one of us afterwards. Uh, about Jesus. I mean, today's text makes it an urgent conversation. Likewise, children, you've been examined by the session, should not partake, but see me uh, if you desire to be the, the class we're going to be having for, for you upcoming. Believers, this is a, a meal to encourage us today. It's to encourage us to give thanks. It's to encourage us to have that sense of urgency about the task before us. It's a meal that calls us to examine ourselves to see if we discern the body of Christ. In other words, do we discern the incredible price Jesus paid for our sin? So if we have sin we don't want to turn from, if we have sin that we think it's not a big deal with God, uh, then we're not discerning what He did for us here, the price He paid. Uh, we're not hearing what Revelation is saying. In that case, the Bible says... Don't partake. Let the elements pass. Search your heart in prayer. But if we need strength for the battle, if we need a reminder of the urgency of the message, and I suspect we all do, uh, then by all means, uh, we need to come. We need to eat. We need to be thankful. Let's pray together now. Individually, uh, confessing our sins before a holy God.
Father, we acknowledge today that uh, we are sinners in your sight. All of us are. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Father, we're amazed uh, that you would take our sin and place it on your Son, Jesus Christ. That he would take the punishment for us and he would die in our place for our sin. So, Father, we confess all our sin before you this morning. We ask your forgiveness, Father, uh, believing that you've promised in your word you will forgive us, Lord, based on what Christ did at the cross. So, Father, we thank you for that hope this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.